by the magic of a dark stone, you are tuned in to the Jewel Riders Archive. <laughs> Hey, Jewel fans. I'm Chris. And I'm Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. We're here today with a super exciting episode for you of the Jewel Riders Archive podcast. It's our very first time talking on the podcast with one of the actors from the show. We are so pleased this time to introduce to you Kareen Orr, the voice of Lady Kale and Queen Anya. Welcome, Kareen. Hi there. So glad to be on the show with you. You guys are remarkable. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. <laughs> we appreciate that. So, Corrine, let's go ahead and start off with a little bit of a brief history of your own work. Now, obviously, you do voiceover and acting, but let's start with the very beginning. You know, how did you get uh, into acting? Canadian. I come from Ma, and uh, I worked in various shows out there. Um, I, I did a soap opera when I was 14. Oh, my gosh. And wor- yeah, and I worked with Bill Shatner, who's I very was reading, famous. I was reading that on IMDb that you at one point worked with William Shatner and Christopher Plummer. Yes. Well, I got to tell you, Bill was so sweet to me. Oh. I was 14, and he'd buy me lunch every time we did and we ate at a place called Murray's on St. Catherine Street of Montreal. It does not exist anymore. But, I mean, he always ate cantaloupe. I remember that because he's always on a diet. Very <laughs> handsome, very handsome young man. And he took a 14-year-old for lunch. I mean, that is kind. Oh, that is so, so sweet. Yeah. And then um, yeah. did not know one person. And I knocked on doors of ad agencies, and I got a couple of jobs. And then I ended up at Tetra, which was a dubbing studio. And because I am a multi-voice, I can do many voices, they had me doing all the kids. So from that, I auditioned for Marine Boy. I was Marine Boy. And actually, I just got a a fan calling me from Australia. It's very big there. (laughs) So um, I just, I did a lot. And then, of course, Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. Yeah, I saw your one of your big credits is doing Speed Racer, and that was something that you did with Peter Fernandez, who you eventually worked with on Jewel Riders. Wonderful director. Yeah, he was a wonderful director. He did a lot of cartoons. Yeah. Now, was that the first time you had ever worked with Peter? No, I worked on Marine Boy with... I worked on dubbing with him at Teacher Sound, which okay. no longer exists. And then the... Uh, I remember auditioning for this man, Pablo Zavala, and I don't know, uh, Shelley Riss. And then, and the second one was Speed Racer, which, as you know, is the most popular cartoon ever. <laughs> yes, it is very popular. And, you know, it is interesting, though, for at least how, you know, how did you find out? about kind of the opportunities within the animation world? Like, did you just get an agent and they were starting to find parts for you? Or did you had you already connected with someone, at least within the animation world? Because, you know, going from radio dramas yeah. to Pete. cartoons is a little own, different. Yeah, I had a, a reputation for being a multi-voice, that I could do many voices. So the word got out and people would call me and I'd audition. 
I'm sure I didn't get everything I auditioned for, but I got more <laughs> than most people. I really did very well and I'm very blessed. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's a great experience. And, you know, so again, you kind of grew up kind of in yeah. the, um, was it the, like the New York, the Canada area? Oh, I only worked in New York. Yeah. I never okay. worked anywhere else. Okay. Just wanted to make sure then. Okay. So it was more New York area. So with, um, with regards to, you know, acting, why did you really choose that as a profession? Like what, what was it about acting that you really wanted to do ever since, like you said, ever since you were 14? Oh, well, yeah. read comic books to them and I would play all the parts and they thought it was very funny. So one of them had a brother-in-law who was in the advertising business and got me a commercial. And then I auditioned for a radio show and got it. So uh, I started working at the age of 14 and, um, I just continued in that field. That's gotcha. about it. Do you think your work in radio really helped Please when it came to you. doing animation? Well, I love doing animation. You create your own character. I had to look at the photos or the drawings, I should say, first. And from that, I got an idea of who the person or the character would be. And I usually played many parts. I think on... Uh, an evil queen. And um, I always did two or three parts. In, in uh, Speed Racer, I was Trixie, her mother, her brother, <laughs> Spritel, who was crazy. And, uh, I, and I think I even did some men in the crowd scenes. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I always did many, many voices. It was fun. Yeah, we were looking at your credits for Speed Racer. It looks like you were basically credited for every single female character that was in the series, essentially. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's I wonderful. Princesses and little boys. I used to play little boys. Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, when exactly did you start to hear about the opportunities for jewel writers? Was this like '94? Was this '95? Do you remember kind of time periods? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Vince, and I remember, but I'm no good with numbers. So sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, but to kind of recap, so you had heard about, how did you again hear about an opportunity for jewel writers? What was, what? Uh, Robert Mandel was directing or casting, I should say. And um, he called me and I was scared of him. He was a very sick man. And uh, well, and I did one. But what happened is they had a studio with a kitchen. And I went into the kitchen, and it was filthy dirty. And Bob Mandel was sitting there just looking very stern. I said, what kind of people are this? And I cleaned the microwave. I washed the dishes in the sink. I washed the counter. He didn't say anything. The next day, I had eight jobs because he was a clean freak, and he loved that I cleaned the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you went in and were auditioning as an actor, but yet you were doing the skills of, like, a cleaner, and yet he's like, okay, you're hired, you know? Yeah, that was so funny. And it turned out the reason I was scared of him is he never kind of smiled, and the truth is he's a very shy, very sweet guy. And later on, we became friends. I mean, not only during the eight shows, you know, I didn't see him after that, but um, he was such a nice guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I got it by cleaning. And in the day of Me Too, I think that's a beautiful story. That is beautiful. That's so much fun. The um, the eight shows that you mentioned, what do you remember which exactly which ones those were? Not at all. (laughs) Okay, but it was all stuff that he was doing. I I, I beg your pardon. But it was all the shows that he was producing. That that uh, Robert Mandel produced. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And Peter directed. Yes. Okay, so I guess from getting the job of Jewel Writers, now did he kind of, what you know, when he was explaining the roles or when you went in for auditioning, how did they kind of explain the show? Like, what did they say exactly? Always, always, always very brief. They gave you like two lines, go do it. Remember, you've been auditioning with 400 people or so. You didn't walk in alone, so you had an idea before. And... I think at that an hour, you don't sit and talk. You work. Mm-hmm. So you're playing this. You've got the voice already in your head. You have a script, and you do it. And if he doesn't like the way you read a line, they say, would you do another take? And you do two, three takes sometimes, and that was it. And then you'd finish and leave. I gotcha. Now... And was this like in, you said that they had a kitchen area, but like, where did you actually audition? Was it in a studio or was it just out like in an auditorium or in a room? Always in a studio. Always in a studio. With a microphone and uh, many other people. Yeah. Okay. Um, And the studio office that you went to, that was there in New York? Everything I did was in New York, yes. Okay. And uh, I remember where it was at the beginning. I think they changed after. It was um, it's called the Flatiron District. It's, it's but at that time it was very seedy. The studio was beautiful, but the building terrified me because I'd have to get there like eight thirty nine in the morning, and it was a big drug attic district. So the the guys were selling drugs. I was so scared to walk into there. And I remember Robert Mandel always came out into the street and put me on a bus or something. He was such a gentleman. But um, it was not a good era. No, now it's fabulous. But like everything else, things change. Mm-hmm. Now, when you recorded so, Jewel Riders, we've seen a video of one of the recording sessions. And I saw that you, and I noticed that you all recorded in a big group. Was that a normal thing for Robert Mandel shows? Because a lot of no, times... No, for every show, you get the entire cast oh. up to the mic. And then you go back, and someone else goes up to the mic. Or if you're together, you both go up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you're always together. Not now. Now they have more technology, and uh, they split. So you'd be called... Like, I did Disney stuff, too. I worked... Uh, on um, PB&J Otter and uh, Great Big Book of Everything but for Disney. But when I did those shows, they would split your part. And it was difficult because I remember I played Wonder Raccoon, and I said, is she across the lake or is she on this side? Because if she's talking to someone across the lake, you have to be a lot more loud and project so um, the director is very important to give you that information. Oh, definitely. I think the reason why we asked about the question of the recording is, you know, because as you mentioned, there are more 
single recording sessions nowadays versus like the group recording sessions. But we liked watching the group recording because we can actually see the interactions of you with the other actors and the other actresses. And so that actually is beautiful because we can actually see how you guys all got along together or how you guys worked off of each other's energies. So, you know, as an actor though, and also coming from, you know, radio background, I'm sure that that, you know, that was like, you just felt like you were at home because you were interacting with other actors. That was absolutely wonderful. And when we dubbed movies from foreign languages into English, we always had a group and you you felt very close to them. It was wonderful. But later on, it was very isolating. You're just totally alone. So I much prefer the earlier times when there were groups. That was fun. That, and I think it was a little, for a little better acting, too. I, right. I agree. I agree. I think it it allows the actors to really play against each other and develop yes. those relationships between the characters. Right. That's beautiful. <laughs> so now with regards to production, um, you know, typically animation will start after the voice recording. So, so you know, when you first started the project, um, you know, and once like how did you well, how did you find out that you got the role? Did he just call you? Did you know, did you get invited back or how did that go? Oh, they phoned you. They phoned you to tell you. Okay. And then once he told you, okay, you know what, you're going to show up on set, did they kind of ever prompt you guys to let you know, like, okay, hey, we're recording this, and we're going to start animation on this, like, right away, like, you know, and never, it's going to release? Never, No. Voice came animation. Never, never before. I mean, yeah, they animated, and then when it was all set, and it had a certain time, like half hour show or whatever, then you would go in to record. I never went to record before. Never. Right, right. And and I mean, you know, from an animation standpoint, that is consistent, like I said. I just didn't know if they had ever told you, like, you know, hey, we're recording this and it's going to be released. Like, they never kind yeah. of put you guys on a schedule, like, to say, hey, you know, when we're, we got to give the animators enough time to be able to create this cartoon or anything like that? Never. No, okay. it was okay. already completed. We they just say show up uh, Monday at eight a.m. at, and you're working two hours or four hours depending on what you're working at. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm. Gotcha. And how they, long? They didn't get it. Yeah, sorry. Oh, what? I was just going to ask how long it would normally take to record a single ep- like a single half hour episode. Eight hours. Wow, you could do it all in one day. Yeah, but uh, that one single episode. But afterwards, like when you'd be in there for a half an hour, an hour the most. Okay. So they saved money with technology. It was called split, and when they split you, then it was cheaper for them. Okay. Less studio time. Right now, in the video that we've seen, we unfortunately from John Beach, we only have two recording sessions, but that's still two more than we ever knew about, you know, before we started this whole endeavor. And, you know, it's so fun to see the interactions. Now, one thing that we did see that, you know, when you guys are all interacting is Laura Dean um, looks like she's pregnant. So she's sitting down and she's doing the voiceover of Tamara and, you know, everyone else is interacting. Do you remember specifically any stories from the recording sessions themselves? Well, Laura Dean also had two little girls, and uh, I love them. She's a darling lady. And um, 
I remember the coming to and to be with her. Yeah, I liked her. And John Beach was a doll, absolutely sweet as could be. There were some other the cast members like Deborah Allison or Carrie Butler or, you know, you've mentioned Peter Fernandez, um, Bob Caliban. Do, do you have specific oh. stories of any of them? Bob Caliban was a genius. He could do anything. He was wonderful. He was very serious. And, that, oh, you didn't fool around with Peter. He was serious. But mm-hmm. his whole passion was work. I never knew it. I mean, he'd be writing at night and directing in the day. And he really worked hard. And he lived, I, I don't know if it was a farm, but he lived out in the country. No, he, he kept bees. And he'd run back to take care of his bees. And uh, he loved the outdoors. And that's all I knew about Peter. But um, uh, who else did you mention? Carrie Butler. Oh, she was darling. Uh, She's a sweet girl. Very sweet. (laughs) She was doing a show in Toronto, and I was visiting my niece, so I had her over for lunch. And my niece lived in a beautiful home. And um, Carrie was a vegetarian at the time. Oh, uh, okay. That's a beautiful story. It's nice... She was a sweet girl. It's nice to be connected still, you know, to a lot of people and and to still see people. And of course, you know, I think that when people come from the same backgrounds or when you guys are all doing, you know, like how you mentioned Peter Fernandez and and yourself working together pretty frequently, you kind of see the same people on, you know, certain shows like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, you know, hey, we're doing another recording like, you know, and it's it's good when you're working kind of with the same people. Um, did you feel that your connection between, like, let's just say Peter, for example, was stronger because you had worked with him prior that you kind of knew? Of course. Yeah. We, we knew what to expect of each other. Of course it was closer. Yes. Um, he would say, do, do that. You know, no, he said, make it more serious. Go lower. A Marine boy, my God, deeper, deeper, deeper. I did <laughs> that, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, a little struggle. So he would say, he would let you have it, you know, but we all, all when we did some shows with Jackie Grimes and Jack Curtis and all, oh, we had such fun. I love those guys. Yeah. But those were shows I did with regular guys like that. And I adored them. Caliban I did mainly commercials with. I think he was brilliant as could be. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Now, you did mention that you had a couple of personal stories or at least some stories from work regarding the rest of the actors. I don't know. Do you want to share specific stories, whether they're about Peter or, or Robert Mandel or anyone that you kind of knew? Well, I, I, I only knew Robert Mandel on that one series, and I told you all about him, and I liked him very, very much. And uh, Peter, I knew for years, like we worked together like 14 years. So I knew him very well. Uh, Marine Boy, we all, we had the same cast. And we were all very, we all liked each other so very much. I remember once uh, this guy, Larry Robinson, who's now dead, who I adored, he came in and I thought he was so sophisticated. He would order coffee and he would take a sip and do his lines. So one day I took a sip of coffee and we had music stands and the script would be on the music stand and I, I had coffee spilled all over it. <laughs> so I didn't do that again. It's so good to eat when you're recording. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. I learned never, never do we use cough drops. Cough drops flatten. There's little hairs on the back of your throat and cough drops flatten that. So you can't get this water and we 
had candy. Candy is very good as a soother. So you have candy and you have water. That's it. No cough drops. I remember, <laughs> I remember John Beach. You know, we did some crazy voices that were very hard on your throat. And he would go to a movie after just to be alone and calm down. I never went with him, but I, I remember he'd go to a movie after ever after. after after yeah. So he dressed his voice. I think that you always need something to relax from, you know, and, and yourself, though, you know, with regards to kind of relaxing or refocusing or even just getting inspired. Like, what sorts of things did you do to inspire yourself or to, you know, um, like, did you have any mentors that you went to for inspiration or someone that helped you along the way? No, never. Um Never. But what I did, like, when I'm waiting to get on in a group, for instance, I would read the paper. You couldn't read a novel because you'd get too deeply involved in it. But, you know, a magazine or a paper, you'd read and then you'd go up on your turn. But um, you, 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 you really stayed focused on what was going on. You didn't have too many distractions after. Well, I just went home. And I know, I know Peter ran home immediately. And uh, he attended to, I think he had chickens. <laughs> I don't know. He had well, chickens he had a, it and sounds bees. like he had a full farm out there. Yeah. Well, he had a home and a wife, and, and I think he had chickens and, and I don't know what, and bees. I know he had eggs. He had eggs from the hens, I guess. And he would bring them to the studio quite often. And uh, I didn't mind the eggs, but I, I wasn't mad for the honey. And that's hard work. Now the bees are not producing much in the United States. So my relatives in Canada, one of them has bees, and these are healthy bees in Canada, but not in the U.S. It's good that he had something to go to, though, you know, from an agricultural standpoint, like, you know, something to escape to, essentially. Um, oh, yes. Well, my, my thing was mineralogy. I studied jewelry. And how, actually, I went on digs. I got stuff. I learned how to carve. I am, and I, I've studied um, mineralogy for many, many years, and I belong to the York Mineralogical Society, and uh, that's where, that's my distraction, minerals and jewels. Do you have a favorite gemstone or a type of jewelry that you enjoy? Yes, I love, I love citrine, beautiful okay. citrine. I'm wearing right now gorgeous jadeite ear, and I have turquoise, which I adore. Mm-hmm. And a huge, a huge turquoise ring and a huge citrine ring. And I'm wearing, as I said, a jade, which is beautiful jade earrings. Yeah, I love that jewelry. That is pretty. Those you know, and gorgeous. I think in a couple of photos that we've seen of you, you are wearing turquoise jewelry. I think that I've seen, I've seen you in that before. So it, it's obviously something that you do enjoy. Yes, I do. Now I put and it all together. And that's why I love the jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, so now, after all the recording sessions, if you don't really remember dates, and you said that they kind of worked, was it like every week that you guys did a new episode? I, um, I think we did it, uh, uh, like yeah, something like that, or, or sometimes you, yeah, usually once or twice a week, and then that's it. Okay. I just wasn't sure on the regularity of the recording sessions. Yeah, well, it depends how many shows you were in. Like, other than Jewel Riders, I was in every show. So there were four of us in each cast. And so uh, we'd all show up together. But I don't remember. We didn't do it every day. 
probably once a week. Okay. Well, that's a nice way to, you know, let your voice rest as well. Uh, I can imagine doing it over and over again, you know, every single day. That's a lot of strain on your voice. Well, when we did it. Eight hours. When we did eight hours, that was hard on your voice. Yes. Once I uh, in uh, Speed Racer, I was playing Spritle, the crazy little brother, and I had a voice like that. And one day my tonsils started bouncing, and I was terrified. Oh they no! They started involunt. So I I went to a doctor, and he said, "Voice rest, which means be quiet. You know, mm-hmm. don't." Yeah. So you have to not speak for. A, a day or so that's the only way to rest your voice yes mm, now um just out of curiosity for doing you know voice acting and you know doing all those types of voices as you know growing up did you do that like did you you know you and your friends or whoever your family did you guys kind of make plays or radio plays at home or how did you train your voice never i never did anything at home i went to school i studied with at a drama school with Christopher Plummer. It was called the Montreal Repertory Theater. And uh, we had some of the best voice teachers in the world. And we studied voice. I I have a good speaking voice. Yes, you do. <laughs> I Like I said, I love, I love the way that your voice sounds, you know, and it's so distinctive and it's so iconic that when you hear it, you're like, no, I definitely know that's Corrine's voice. You know, it, Aren't it's you the a way darling. that you... Well, thank you. Aren't you a darling? Thank but you it, so much for you're saying welcome. that. That makes me happy. But it you're is so true. Here. You know, the way that you enunciate and the way that you, you know, put the punctuations. And I think that not a lot of people have that type of voice character any longer, unfortunately. Oh, well, I, I worked with the best. I worked. And at the time when we were, that was important. And I don't believe it is anymore. Now anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I wish you guys the best of luck. It's been such a delight talking to you, and I hope wonderful things happen for you both. Thank you so much. much. Before we wrap up, though, I know that a lot of fans, you know, obviously they still care about you and they still love listening to your stories. Um, You know, now we've seen photos of when you've gone out to like Comic Cons and other fan sessions that you get, you know, you'll might get a photo with someone. Do you still get recognized by people? Do people still contact you, you know, for specifically jewel writers? Never. Never. <laughs> I do it for uh, Speed Racer Marine Boy. I get phone, uh, this during this terrible time with a virus, and one from Spain, and one from uh, Virginia. And these are people, I remember them very well, because they were not in a group. They were individuals who who we talked, maybe had lunch with one or two of them. And I'm so flattered to think they think of me as their friend after all these years. It's lovely. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. that's so sweet. So one thing that we would love to hear, though, um, one thing that we obviously remember you for, the characters that you did on Jewel Riders. So you did the main villainess, Lady Kale, and then you were also her good sister, Queen Anya. I believe that you also played the part of the little unicorn as well that was with Tamara. Do you specifically remember which characters you played? Yes, I did. And... uh... Oh, we always did two or three voices. Yeah, yeah, it was fun to be sweet after being so totally evil with Queen Kale. Oh, she was so evil. But it was fun. I had such good time. Oh, I must tell you, there was one thing I auditioned for where I just had to scream. 
by the way, I didn't get it, but I just <laughs> had to scream. I, I had an audition for just to scream for a movie or something, and I screamed many times, and then I left, and I felt wonderful all day long. <laughs> it sort of gets rid of, I think it's fun. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you just never know what you're auditioning for. Um, so one thing that I would love to hear from my own end, though, again, because you are the villainess, um, are you able to kind of recreate your character really quick for us? The catchphrase that you would always say is, by the magic of the dark stone, and then you would usually give like an evil laugh. Could you do that for us? Sure. By the magic of the dark stone. <laughs> oh my gosh, I oh, love that it. That was wonderful. I just got a little bit of chills. I know. Can oh, what fun. Do you know, I remember my voice. Oh, I got to tell you something. I remember every voice and I can recreate them, but I cannot sing a note. Well, it's okay. Neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> good you don't stuff. want me singing. But oh I'm so God. dead on. I'm so dead on with my voices, and I and I maybe it's just insecure. Don't sing. Not even in the shower. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, and, and like I said, yeah. this this year marks the 25th anniversary of Jewel Riders. So it's to us, it's obviously an inspiration because we love this series. But I think that you know, as a person who was involved with it how does it feel to just to think that 25 years later people are still enjoying this show and still watching it on tv it's a blessing it is i hate to say this because of the uh, virus people are paying more attention to cartoons and stuff now and that's why i'm getting calls from fans from all over but um i can't believe all that time has elapsed i think of it as yesterday i really do it's a beautiful memory, isn't it? I feel it? the same. <laughs> but it's a delight to talk to you, and you're wonderful, guys. I wish you all the very best. Well, thank you thank so much, Kareen. So we wish you the best as well, and thank you for sitting down with us for a little while and sharing your stories of behind the scenes. Thank you, Kareen. We appreciate it. We want to thank Kareen for coming on and chatting with us about her memories of Jewel Riders. If you want to find more about Jewel Riders, you can visit us at www.jewelwritersarchive.com. And you can find this podcast on many places, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. We want to thank Kareen so much again for taking the time to chat with us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as we always like to say at the end of our episodes, friends together. Friends, Friends forever. forever. Right. Thank you, Corrine, for being with us. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome to Station K-A-L-E, where we play all the hits all the time. How about this oldie but goodie? Freeze me and I'm yours forever. I hear some fans out there. How are you all doing? Ha, 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 ha.